I am Rob Popper. I'm a triathlon coach, sports nutritionist, and sports massage therapist. And I'm on the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. My biggest pet peeve when it comes to sports nutrition is that a lot of people bring a lot of hidden agendas. Don't even realize they're doing it, but they bring a lot of hidden agendas when they want to talk about sports nutrition. I'll sit down and talk to somebody about specifically fueling for exercise, and we can go into a lot of details about it. But you realize fairly early on in the conversation that there's a lot of other stuff going on when we're talking about nutrition, food, calories, sugar, fat, and I really like it when people can acknowledge that early on and maybe separate that conversation you can just talk about sports nutrition and fueling yourself for exercise and maybe leave some of the other stuff about calorie counting fats carbs proteins at the door calling out the myths misinformation and bs in the wellness industry this is the big mouth pharmacist podcast here's your host Holistic pharmacist, supplement expert, Big Mouth, Dr. Neil Smoller. Broadcasting from the most famous small town in the world, Woodstock, New York. We're here today talking with level three triathlete coach, Robert Popper. That's our feature conversation. Don't worry. You don't need to be a serious athlete to listen. In fact, I geared the conversation to people like me who get tired just thinking about exercise. That's you athletic supporters out there in the crowd. That's a joke from Greece, if you're, you're familiar. Yeah. Anyway, so if you haven't subscribed to us, yes, please do that. Encourage your friends to give our shows a listen. DrNeilSmoller.com is my website. You can check out the podcast there. You can even look at my new supplement school that we're launching, teaching practitioners how to build a wellness practice with their expertise at the center. It's a really cool project that we're doing. We're directing towards practitioners, but very soon we're going to have one directed towards consumers. So that way they can make better supplement decisions without all the BS. So our blog, though, it's over at woodstockvitamins.com still. We have lots of really great articles over there. My most recent rant was on genetic testing. This month, I'm ranting about transparency and how I feel most people really don't want transparency. So you got to check that one out when it's released. This week, otherwise, short and sweet, just like the old days. We're not going to do any added facts, no Q&A, none of it. And it's mostly because I'm freaking exhausted. Supplement school's been kicking my butt pretty bad, and I think I broke my brain. I've been working really long days, building out spreadsheets and doing these presentations, and it's been pretty intense, I guess, to say the least. So I have to take multiple like micro naps, meditation sessions throughout the day just to make sure that I don't, my head doesn't explode. So I'm just kind of pooped and I couldn't even write a blog article this week. My brain wasn't even working. So that's it. I mean, we're just going to get through it. Part of the reason that I have to rest up is because I'm going on a little trip for a few days right in the middle of all of this intense stuff. And uh, we're going to Las Vegas. Yeah. So we're doing that whole thing. And you know what they say, what happens in Vegas doesn't really matter because I'm an old man and I'm married and my wife's going, so we're not going to really do anything crazy. I'm not a gambler at all. I I actually gambled plenty with all of my businesses through the years. I would rather like spend the money on food and shows and stuff like that. It is a weed legal state. I've mentioned that I'm okay with that. So maybe, maybe we'll check out some strainage, see what's going on there. But I feel like it's not the right drug for Las Vegas. I feel like marijuana is not the one to do if you're going to choose one. Drinking probably and all that other stuff I don't get into. So I don't know if weed is going to be a good fit, but w- whatever, we'll see. But anyway, I'm, I'm going to Las Vegas for like a three-day sprint and uh, I'm hoping that I'll you know, survive it mentally and be able to get right back to work as soon as I can. 
but I mean, that's it. That's all I got going on. I'm too tired to do anything else. So I, I hope you, you, you can relate to that and you're, you're cool with it. So let's talk about Robert. Robert is a level three triathlon coach and sports massage therapist. He's been coaching people of all ages. Like his youngest is eight and 72 is the oldest that he's ever trained for athletic competition. And they have varied skill levels from total novices like me to school kids. Uh, they probably perform better than me to like age group champions to Olympic hopefuls for over 15 years. He transplanted to the Hudson Valley about five years ago, and he's worked in the Hawthorne Valley High School and the Catskill Recreation Center and the Beacon Endurance and Beacon, as well as having like private clients all over the place. He's great. He's actually helped me a lot understand sports nutrition. He's helped me write some content that we've done around sports nutrition. And so we wanted to talk today to really dispel some myths about what you should and shouldn't eat if you want to work out you know, from the casual athlete all the way to the intense athlete. And we really get to the heart of some key arguments. Like, do you need protein before? Is it good to do a pre-workout and a post-workout product? And the big one for me is that carbs are bad. And so we talk about when carbs can be good and in fact desired in our conversation. So I hope you enjoy. So Rob, we have everybody and their mother and the new year starts an exercise program. And one of the most common things that I get asked is, Obviously, what supplements should I be taking before and after a workout? And I say, kind of time out. Let's talk about making sure that you're nourishing your body uh, appropriately during the day, but then also, you know, guaranteeing that you have enough energy to to fulfill a workout effectively. Exactly. And so that's the difference, I believe, what you've taught me between sports nutrition and regular nutrition. Yeah. Do you want to just elaborate on the concept for everybody? Well, I, I think, you know, for anybody who isn't a professional athlete, you know, training morning, noon, and night, um, you're going to have very different levels of activity throughout the day. And the nutrition that you're following, and maybe, like you said, with a New Year's resolution, whatever that might be to cut out certain food groups or lose weight or whatever, um, that is an appropriate thing for you to be following during the day when you're at work. Um, if your levels of activity are very different and then when you start to exercise, your levels of activity are going to change and your nutrition needs are going to change. And you kind of need to look at that in a separate context. Um, whether you like it or not, carbohydrates, which is sugars and starches, are going to be your primary fuel source right. for most forms of activity that are more than brisk walking or sitting at a desk or driving your car to work and right. back home again. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on the duration and the intensity of your exercise, your activities, um, you're going to need to plan ahead a little bit. Um, you can get away with eat when you're hungry and drink when you're thirsty a lot of the times. And certainly for shorter activities or something that you've been doing for a long time and you kind of know your body's patterns or, or you think you know your body's patterns, you, you might be able to get away with that. But if you're trying something new, if you're trying to, I don't know, if part of your New Year's resolution is you're training for a marathon or, you know, you're going for a much That's a horrible resolution. That's a horrible resolution. Well, New Year's resolutions in general are pretty horrible. Yeah, we've been crapping on them pretty much nonstop. You know, they they don't work. I mean, the stuff that does work is the stuff that where you just think about lifelong changes and adaptations and, and try to make them into positive goals instead of negative goals. A lot of resolutions are negative. I want to lose weight. I want to cut out carbs. I Mm. want to stop 
drinking, a lot of negative words in there mm-hmm. instead of like, oh, I want to wake up in the morning feeling fresh and alive, mm-hmm. which may be a consequence of not drinking for the month of January. But if it's that fresh, alert awakeness in the morning that you're looking for before you've had your first cup of coffee, then think about ways to do that. And I, I say that with, you know, with sports nutrition and sports training as well. And that's, you know, going back to the point, my one of my pet peeves if you're, I, I, I have this a lot with, with clients where I'm telling them how to fuel for their activities. Mm-hmm. And one of the most common mistakes I see people is that they're under fueling. Okay. I see a lot of people do that and they wonder why, you know, they got slower at the end of the workout and they felt achy the next day and this and that, and maybe you weren't hydrating properly. You weren't fueling yourself properly and we can get into the, the before, the during, and the after. But the big picture is when I see people doing that again and again and again, it's because, well, wait a minute. Aren't I supposed to be burning calories and in calorie deficit? Why are you telling me not to be in, you know, to, why should I have a, a sports drink that's going to add 100 calories or 150 calories to my total calorie consumption today? I thought my overall goal, no, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, your overall goal for the day is one thing, but your overall goal for this activity is not to like try and run your engine on empty. It goes to the adage that, um, you know, your abs aren't made at the gym, they're made in the kitchen. So the concept of weight loss has less to do with your act your exercise and it has more to do with your dietary patterns. So the exercise, you know, again, you know, if you're like crazy person and you're doing exercise constantly, of course you're going to lose weight because eventually your metabolic rate catches up. But in general, for most of us, the way that we have to think about it is we're going to the gym to make ourselves more physically fit, more physically active, pumping the heart, building our muscle, building strength. And, in the long run, after some time, our metabolic rate will increase. So then we'll be able to like eat a little bit more or we'll, we'll be able to lose some weight. But sure. really our goal here is to just um, build strength. And so the calorie consideration has to be completely thrown away. Your calorie def- deficit comes from all of the other meals and times of the day. But when you go to the gym, you need to fuel yourself and have enough to do an, a successful exercise because the goal is to get stronger in whatever yes. way. Mm-hmm. And and it's it it you know, you you've had some great analogies when I when when you and I first met a while ago, I loved like you know, you had this like think of a campfire and if you throw <laughs> gasoline on the fire, it's going to burn really really quickly and right. whereas if you throw a log on the fire or if you coal and different forms of fuel for different outcomes that you're trying to achieve. And if you're sitting at your desk, you know, your calorie burn rate is going to be a certain burn rate throughout the day for those eight hours that you're sitting at the desk and walking around the office. And and you're, you should be fueling yourself appropriately for that, which is, you know, probably less calorie consumption when you're burning fewer calories. Right. And then when you go to the gym, mm-hmm. you need to step it up and fuel yourself appropriately for that and choose the right fuels. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's, that's also a really interesting point you made there. When, when we go to the gym, what, what's the point of going to the gym? And, and I think a lot of people will have, you know, very intelligent conversations about it, but the monkey brain at the back of the skull is like, cause I want to look good. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I want to I look good in my 
bathing suit mm-hmm. or at the prom or, you know, I want to look good. Mm-hmm. I go to the gym so I can look good. Yeah. And Instagram. I'm, I'm like, they're, yeah. they're making me do Instagram stuff for all the stuff that we're doing. Yeah. And I'm like, I got to shave this ham down now. That's right. <laughs> I am, you know, the camera adds weight and I got to lose weight. And, and so, then do, this. so do cheeseburgers. So yeah, I have, and, 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 and it's, it's, it's like, okay, if, if you just think of yourself as a hamster in a cage mm-hmm. and all you're doing is running around in circles, then I don't know. I, I, I can't even begin to speak to that. Right. But, you know, are you doing it because you like it? Mm -hmm. Do you like the gym that you're going to? Is it nice people? Is it a nice atmosphere? Do they play good music? Do they have good classes, Mm -hmm. good equipment? Do you like the exercises that you're doing? Are you doing it? You know, guys go and they just want the big biceps and the big pecs and usually forget about the rest of their body. Skip leg day, baby. What's the the function? Mm Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, the great thing about being a triathlon coach and being involved in that, what has kept me interested in all these years is that there's a kind of inherent function in the sports that we do with swimming, biking, and running. And I, you know, I love all three sports and I love, you know, living in the part of the country that we live in where a lot of times of the year I get to do that and go hiking and biking and not so much running anymore, but hiking and biking and swimming and, and the waterfalls and the lakes and all that. And so if, if there's a gym component to that, maybe it's because I want to be a little stronger, um, healthier, more flexible, you know, there are a lot of different fitness goals I can achieve that support those activities. And Mm -hmm. I really encourage people to focus on that and, and hope that they'll, have faith when, when we say, you know, you, you will achieve that looking good in the photographs and in the bathing suit as an outcome of that. Yeah. Um, you know, but enjoy the journey and, yeah. and have fun with nobody it does that way. though. Nobody cares. Everybody just wants the end result. So let's be honest. Yeah. But again, we might get a, get to a couple people, you know, but so, all right. So now we've separated the idea of nutrition for regular stuff and then the idea of fueling your exercise, right? Yeah. So now let's talk about what fuel do we need for an exercise? So the first thing that I always see is I see guys with their like gallon jugs of liquid, the muscle heads with their little stringy shirts yes. on, right? And they yes. have the gallon and jugs protein, and protein, protein, protein all over the place. Yeah. And, and then that's what you hear. You hear, okay, so I need a shake before and I need a shake after and, and you know, this is better and this is worse. And so let's talk about just... Imagine you and I went to work out for an hour mm-hmm. and we didn't bring anything with us. Let's just kind of walk people through what would right. happen. Yeah. I guess. So on, on an empty stomach, um, you're going to go. And again, depending on the duration and intensity of the exercise, you're going to sweat um, and you're going to burn energy. Right. Um, and a moderate intensity exercise will burn you know, some fats and some carbohydrates and a little bit of protein and you'll sweat a lot and you lose minerals and water and salts from your system and the, the, what they call electrolytes that are pretty vital. And if, if you do this long enough, um, and that's how I got into triathlon was about 20 years ago. I tried to train for a marathon without ever knowing that I was supposed to eat or drink anything. Did you cover your nipples though? Did you do that? I know no, that. I didn't I, tape that's them the down. only thing I know about yeah. marathon training. I just, I just, I just at the time I was doing like five K's and 10 K's mm-hmm. and I was just an armchair athlete mm-hmm. with, with, um, very little 
background. And I just kept going for longer and longer runs. And that's how you train for a marathon, right? right. You just, you know, add another couple miles every week until right. you get to 26. And, and one day I was out and my body shut down and I couldn't go anymore. And I went to get some help and they're like, so what do you, what do you take in your water bottle when you go out? I'm like water bottle. <laughs> okay. So you're sweating yeah. and you're losing important materials from your body. So when we talk about hydration, for example, it's not just water. You mm -hmm. can actually do yourself a lot of harm if all you do is ever drink water mm -hmm. all the time um, and actually have a condition called hyponatremia mm -hmm. where you're actually diluting your bloodstream. You've got to focus on those salts and minerals um, so that your nervous system, the, the electrolytes that conduct you know, the information from your brain to your muscles and all that can, can function. Right. Um, you can start with a couple of general guidelines. I mean, this is my other pet peeve is, you know, you got a lot of people out there who've read something in a magazine or on the web or heard a podcast by two very smart sounding guys and they think, oh, okay, that's me. Mm -hmm. And they don't really take the time to, to learn more about themselves. For example, we, one, one of the, simple things that I've done with a couple of athletes is find out what their sweat rate is. How much sodium do they lose in an hour of moderate activity? And that can vary tremendously. Oh yeah. From, um, the, the guideline is usually like 500 milligrams of sodium in an hour. Wow. That's pretty intense sweating, which is, you know, pretty high sweating. I've had clients who lose a gram of mm. sweat of sodium in an hour. That's not salt. That's sodium. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of sodium. Mm -hmm. um, you buy those little electrolyte tablets and they usually recommend that you're replacing something like anything from 100 to 300 milligrams of sodium in an hour with a little tablet you throw in your water bottle. Right. And, you know, it, it, that's enough so that your pro body probably won't like shut down and go into shock if you do an hour or two of of running, but it's, you know, it's not replacing your lost minerals. Right. Um, I mean, that's the other thing is during exercise, you know, let's also understand that if, if you did nothing, you'd be losing nutrients from your body. One of the other things, even at very small levels, you know, generally never more than 10% of your uh, activity is fueled by protein. Right. Okay. Um, and during exercise, you can't, you typically can't hope to consume enough to replace all the nutrients that you're losing at the time. Um, and that's where the post-workout fueling becomes a little bit important and the pre-workout becomes a little bit important. Right. You can follow generic guidelines if you want to, mm -hmm. and you'll probably, you know, it's certainly better than doing nothing, but I would also recommend you find out a lot more about what your body is doing right. during exercise for different durations and different intensities. So let's just pretend though, that we have the basic person that's just going to go for an hour. And I don't know you being basic, like, you know, the, like a generic the spice latte average. chick. No, I'm not, I'm not talking about that basic. No. Yeah. But just like an average. So the idea, yeah. like, so the idea here is, is we, if we go to the gym with nothing and we work out and we do an hour's worth of exercise, we're losing fuel and, and we're burning fuel and we're losing water. So we're going to focus on just the water, but we're not just mm -hmm. losing water. Our sweat is much more than water. You yes. know, it's, it's all of the other stuff. There's sugars that are, are lost yeah. and the electrolytes again, sodium, potassium, all of that stuff. So that's going. So, and if we 
don't replace it, there's a good chance that most of us for our exercise that we're doing will survive. We'll get through the exercise. We'll be fine because we're not doing these heavy, intense exercises like these dudes you're talking about that are like a gram of sodium, that kind of a thing. Yeah. So then at the end, we could and should refuel. And that's the idea of the post-workout kind of gig, right? So that's where you would do that. And you'd want to be smart about what you replace. But the ideal situation is to prep before, you know, mm-hmm. to, to make sure you have stuff on board to start your exercise. And then as your exercise progresses, you're hydrating and refueling at a, a, a smart enough ratio. So that way, by the end, you you actually haven't depleted anything. You're just right where you started yeah, at the beginning. Even you, you haven't depleted anything significant. If, right. for example, the average person um, is going to expect to burn, say, anything from 500 to 800 calories in an hour of exercise. Mm -hmm. You could do that on empty and, you know, your body will find those calories from somewhere. Right. It doesn't your body have like 1400 calories stored in glycogen and stuff like that. It does vary significantly and and things like carbo loading affect that and people's natural levels of glycogen. You have muscle glycogen and liver glycogen. Um, You know, glycogen is pretty vital for fueling the nervous system. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so your body will never let you completely deplete your glycogen. Otherwise, like your brain would shut down. Right. Um, but yeah, you can, you can have the, anything from a thousand to 2000 calories of glycogen stored. Now you're trying to have that in muscle glycogen. So you, that has to be planned for ahead. Mm -hmm. Um, but Theoretically. During exercise, mm-hmm. theoretically, you know, but during exercise, if you, you, you may have a little bit of sugar in your bloodstream from previous meals. And if you're not taking anything on board, then yes, you'll deplete, you know, anything from 500 to 800 calories and, um, and still be okay. You'll, you'll be okay. You'll walk away from that and you'll, you know, maybe feel a little hungry and, and, um, probably eventually replace all of that with the next meal or a snack or something like yeah. that. Right. And, but the consideration you and I say is that whenever you're doing a workout, especially, um, intense workouts, you need to be replacing this stuff right along. And it would, well, ideally you don't want to go to glycogen for fuel storage. Cause there are, you know, there are, there's a higher level of metabolic waste and processing. And, and if you're going to liver glycogen, for example, then you are threatening the, the function of your nervous system. Um, so ideally where, you know, where else do we get sugar from is, you know, the, the gels, the sports drinks. Um, and I wouldn't expect to consume 500 calories of carbohydrate sugar or starch or whatever during exercise. Cause that I'd feel bloated and, and, you know, and, and heavy, but I can slow that process of glycogen depletion down and mm-hmm. so like a, a water bottle that has a hundred calorie equivalent of carbohydrate in it a mm-hmm. sports gel typically will have a hundred calorie equivalent if over the hour you've consumed you know 200 calories then you've only had to go to your glycogen storage and and the the metabolic waste that comes from that is is greater than just taking it out of your bloodstream so if you're consuming it it's in your bloodstream either directly before the workout during the workout or directly after the workout you know it 
it's less wear and tear on the body. So there's a lot of people out there that are like me, very much not athletic and probably don't understand what the sports gels are. So we want to get to that, but I want to wrap the concept of hydration first, just kind of speak to that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So we don't know what our sweat rates are. And you're saying that there's these fancy machines that people can do that can actually calculate how much they sweat. Yeah. And we know that people can sweat up to like four liters an hour. Like that's a ton of liquid, like between one and four liters an hour is like the, the, the normal range during exercise. And so that's a lot. And, um, so what are you going to be? We don't really know. So one of the ways that we can check that, I think you taught me this is like weighing yourself before you work out and then weighing yourself after. Sure. Right. And then because that's a pretty easy way because water weight is likely to be the biggest loss of weight during exercise. Right. And hopefully that's the reason why these guys are walking around naked in the gym all these old guys i don't know what that the deal is but that's what they do like uh yeah but weigh yourself before and after to determine if there's any loss and you know again a pound is approximately how much water like what would you about 500 milliliters about half a liter about a pint of water right so so if, if you're down a pound uh, through a workout, it's not because you just burn off a pound of fat. It's because you've depleted that much water is, is mo- more likely Most what likely, happened. Yeah. Right? So that's a way that you can kind of check yourself. But I mean, the idea of like doing that and kind of eyeballing a little bit. So I'm just trying to help people get started yeah. to do this correctly. So we don't know how much we're going to sweat. So you should just be drinking small sips throughout your exercise. Yes. If you drink too much, you're going to get bloated and it's going to feel bad. Yeah. And that's a good sign. If you don't drink enough, you might get weak or you, you could just get to the end of the exercise and then say, okay, well, I have this, this depletion of half a liter or a full liter because I lost two pounds while I worked out. So I need to replenish that as soon as possible. Right. So those are the ways that you can kind of gauge your hydration without having those fancy machines, you know? Yeah. There's, there's a certain amount of trial and error that you can do with yourself, um, you know, there's a certain amount of, of finding your comfort levels. I, you know, like going back to that story when I was training for the marathon, I got it completely wrong and I got lots and lots of advice and I started to learn about that stuff and it sort of set me on this path. And then for about three years, I way overcompensated and I just drank and drank and drank and drank water all the time working out. And I was, you know, peeing an awful lot in those couple of years. And it it took me a couple of years to think, wait, 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 okay, you can slow down, Rob. Yeah. Don't drink nothing, Mm -hmm. but don't try and drink, you know, two water bottles full of water every time you go out and exercise, you know, and find your levels of comfort. And if during exercise, for example, you're not so comfortable drinking as much as you ideally would need to replace those fluids, then just try and, you know, get that extra hydration. Again, talking about water, salts, and maybe a little bit of carbohydrate before the workout, get some of it during the workout. And then when your stomach is settled, maybe a little bit after the workout, drink some more. Right. And it doesn't have to be so, um, I guess like micromanaged, especially for the level of exercise that most people are doing. Yeah. You know, exactly. And, and, and it's, it's something that over time, number one, try some of these approaches and see what difference it makes. Mm -hmm. So that a little bit of water, sugar, salt during your exercise might help you tremendously than a little bit before, a little bit afterwards and, and test it out and see what your energy levels feel like. How does your body feel? How, you know, how, how does it make you feel about the exercise overall? You can increase or decrease those amounts over time, play around with it. Yeah. And, and in some ways that's, 
it's almost better than what you're going to find out in a lab from analyzing the right. mineral levels of your sweat. And it's almost the same exact rules that we apply to our whole day. It has to apply to the exercise. So if we're hydrating and fueling ourselves for an exercise, there's a, a cap of the amount of calories we should intake. So like if yeah. we burn 500, but then we take in 1,000 because we're doing this intense pre, during, and post thing, yeah. now we have extra 500 calories in our system. We've just overeaten for our situation. Yeah. I see a lot of people overdo it and, yeah. and the, the, the protein shakes and the bodybuilders who are trying to put mass on and stuff like that are, are taking some of these concepts and they're sort of turning them on their head or they're taking them to an extreme that um, is, isn't always very sensible. Right. Um, and so, so wrapping on hydration, you know, we also have to replace these electrolytes. We'll talk about sugar just separately, but yeah. so electrolytes, there are a bunch of different ways to do it. This is where Gatorade comes in, right? Gatorade has the electrolytes. It also has the sugar, but yeah. um, that's why people drink, you know, athletes have the Gatorade uh, stands and they dump them on their coach's head and such. So what kind of athlete, or I guess what kind of uh, person exercising needs to replace electrolytes during their workout? Is it, is it me? Like when I go into workout, if I yeah. just stay hydrated, should I be replacing electrolytes? Yeah, during? pretty much. Yeah. It's, it's, Pretty much everybody is going to sweat these things out. I mean, they'll be in different amounts, but your your big ones to look at are the sodium, potassium, magnesium, calcium, um, and often zinc and manganese. Mm -hmm. um, the shortcut to all of that is that you can buy um, supplements, you can buy tablets. I mean, you can you can get some of these things in in your food you know, nuts um, and seeds are often very high in some of these um, minerals. Um, uh, a supplement, this is where a supplement can be very, very useful. Yeah. Um, you know, especially if it's designed for sports, mm -hmm. um, sports electrolytes, and specifically for replacing those things that you're going to be sweating out. Yeah, the problem being, of course, for our listeners who know that I'm crazy about quality, is the sports nutrition sports supplement arena is of the worst uh when it comes to quality yeah. so we have to be very very careful about the things that we buy uh, literally the a majority uh, overwhelming majority of problems that have been found with like synthetic compounds pharmaceutical agents yeah. adulterants uh contaminants are found in sports supplements yeah. um so it's something that we have to be very careful about and even just the inert ones like our pre-workouts loaded with caffeine so, and while caffeine can, is certainly a great energy booster, you don't need that. You know, you yeah. can, you should just be doing other stuff. Um, so replacing out electrolytes. So an idea could be, um, you know, coconut water. You can do half coconut water, half water for your workout. And that would be yeah. a, a way to do it as well. A but, pinch of salt. Right. In your water. Right. You know, the, the amount of sodium that you need 500, if it's 500 milligrams in an hour, that's what about um, a gram and a half of salt and a gram and a half is about a quarter teaspoon. Right. If that, so, yeah. and, so um, literally a pinch, a pinch, literally a liberal pinch. pinch of salt, throw it in your water and, and it can really go a long way. Right. And the, so then moving to the carbohydrate side of things and, and the fuel 
piece of it. So you had mentioned that there are um, gels that you can buy. And of course, there's like the bars and all of that stuff and Gatorade. Sure. Um, so and what they're doing is giving you glucose, sugar, right? They're, yes. they're, they're supplying sugar. Now, the one of the coolest things, and this is more for like the micromanagement of sports nutrition, is that it's not just glucose, though. They'll use different types of sugars, right? Yeah. Um, and, and can you explain that maybe to everybody? Well, yeah. the, the, the idea is that different types of sugars will burn at different rates and, and therefore, you know, you can derive benefits at, at different times. You have maltose and dextrose, um, get used a lot. I mean, fructose and sucrose, you know, the, the sugar derived from fruit and the table sugar, fructose and sucrose are sort of considered to be some of the faster burning sugars, maltose and dextrose are derived from other sources and they burn a little more slowly. Um, so, you know, hopefully those things will come into your bloodstream and, and be available to you for use throughout your workout at different times. And you get, you know, a lot of different things. And then there's a growing area where they're, they're trying to have, um, uh, cleaner gels that are derived from more natural products and less, from the laboratory where it's really like you get a lot of fruit juice gels right. instead of extracting the fructose, they're just putting in some like apple juice right, and stuff like that. We which, all know it's the same thing. And so that's just a marketing yeah, game. It's, yeah. it's just, you know, I mean, and, and in the end, like when I've been coaching kids, I tell them, you know, bring me a water bottle. That's like half apple juice and half water mm -hmm. and a pinch of salt. Mm -hmm. You know, those are your supplements. Right. And with young kids who are sort of trying to get their head around this idea of how do I hydrate, that's a pretty simple way to go. Yeah, without a doubt. So the important thing to know, I guess, about the gels and stuff like that, you know, when we tell people to eat during the day, we tell them, don't juice, you know, don't squeeze out the fructose yeah. Yeah. because you're leaving that fiber and then the sugar is going to be metabolized very, very quickly. Exactly. And it's going to cause this peak and you're missing out on all of the good stuff that's left in the fiber yeah, and just the opposite for sports. Yeah. We're saying get rid of all that fiber. We don't want it to slow down. We need that instant and semi-instant and a little bit less than semi-instant burn. Yes. So that way we can basically supply the next 15, 30 minutes of energy, right? That's yeah. pretty much what we're looking and it's, to do. I think again, sorry, I'm going to borrow your analogy. If, if you it. think of yourself as like sitting in the office all day in front of a wood burning stove yep. and you throw a log on every couple of hours, mm -hmm. Um, and that keeps the office warm. And then your exercise is you hopping on your motorbike. You're not going to cram like wood into the engine of your motorbike. You're going to get some gasoline. Right. So you're going to fuel your activities differently depending on what you're doing. Right. And so the very things like don't throw gasoline into that wood burning stove. That right. is not a good idea. Mm -hmm. And don't put sawdust in your motorbike tank that's not a good idea. Right. And, and you know, if, if we just try to step back from it and think about that, like you are an engine that operates on a lot of different levels and fuel your engine appropriately. Yeah. So protein, everybody is convinced that they need to be ingesting protein while they work out or before or after or whatever. And yeah. so let's talk about the myth of protein consumption around exercise, if you don't mind. Okay. Well, some of the facts about protein, like I said earlier, it tends to take up about 9 to 10% of your total calorie burn. Now, if my calorie burn sitting at the office is 
300 calories an hour. That's 30 grams of protein, sorry, 30 calories of protein in an hour, about um, mm-hmm. seven and a half grams. And if my calorie burn during exercise is 1,000 calories per hour, obviously the protein rate will go up because the percentage tends to be the same. Um, protein doesn't get stored in the body in the way that, I mean, fat obviously gets stored in the body and there are ways to store excess sugars in the body, but protein doesn't. So protein consumption, when you know that your energy burn is going up, then it does make sense. But, but, you know, look at those numbers, even a thousand calories per hour, a hundred of those, maybe 90 of those might be from protein at four, four calories a gram. That's about 25 grams of protein, which is an ounce, right? One ounce. Okay. One sixteenth of a pound. It's a very small amount. Yeah. And, and where do we get our protein from, from isolates? Well, again, that, you got to look at the source of where that's coming from. From a whole food, mm-hmm. you can get some great protein from nuts and whole grains and peanut butter, dairy and peanut butter and, and stuff like favorite. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're not happy taking that on board, if your stomach isn't happy taking that on board during exercise, then you can, again, get to it afterwards. You're, you're talking about, about two tablespoons is about an ounce of something. And that's for somebody that's burning a thousand calories, yeah, which is most thousand calories mostly is nobody that I know. Yeah. High intensity right. activity that is and that's sustaining that activity for a full hour. Right. I don't think that even CrossFit people are are doing that kind of doing stuff. that sort of stuff on a regular basis. Right. So when I tell people that, you know, your pre workout may incorporate some protein, like some peanut butter, some fats sure. and proteins, and I say a teaspoon they look at me like what you know because yeah. the guys have the jugs you know of the of the protein yeah. and but no i mean realistically the only thing that you'll need to support that workout is just that so yeah. so yeah go ahead and it's it's this idea that if a little bit of something is good for me then a lot must be really really good for me which is a a, a flaw in the thinking it's america man big, you know yeah bigger that, go home. That more is better bigger is better a big truck and and if if you're a guy who's trying to get bigger yeah and do more and more then you you can take that too far right um what's the downside of consuming too much protein is you're going to put a huge strain on your kidneys yeah if you decide to go down that route and get your urine tested one day if there's Protein in your urine, that's a sign of serious kidney problem. Harm you're doing to yourself. Yeah, it's a mesh filter and you're just bombarding it with rocks. You yeah. know, so essentially protein is a hard it's yeah. your, your body never gonna take more than nine percent of its energy requirements from protein because it's so darn hard to break down. Yeah. You know, like I said earlier, you don't store protein in your body. I mean, if you go into a deficit, if you do a big workout and you're consuming 10% of your energy, 9% of your energy from protein, and at some point it's running out, you will be having to break down muscle, bone to get that protein. Right. So consuming protein is important to avoid that, but get it right. Right. In the smaller 
amounts. Right. And if, you know, it's not just you and I spitballing on this, this is like the sports nutrition scientists, NCAA and their recommendations. They never say to consume all of this stuff. They never recommend high intakes of things before and after you work out. It's very, very conservative. Yeah. You know, they're saying have a banana and a little scoop of peanut butter and at the end have a chocolate milk, you know, just to replace the sugars and the fats. And and they're not saying drink a lot. They're just saying a small amount of these things. So, so while we're on protein, let's talk about the idea of I'm working out. So I need just more protein in general, you know, like for my day, uh, because I'm, I'm doing whatever. And so, I mean, do you want to speak on that? Well, if, if, I mean, one of the things is a lot of, I mean, if, if you do get your sort of metabolism analyzed and, and the breakdown of the macronutrients, your, your results will come in the form of how, you know, how much you should be consuming per kilogram of body mass or per pound of body mass. Right. So if you're doing something where you are, say, aiming to put on mass and gain muscle mass, then yes, if you're getting bigger, your consumption of nutrients will grow over time, but it's going to be in small increments. It's not right. going to be in huge increments. And and I think, again, speaking back to my first pet peeve, like if you're coming to exercise, if you're coming to sports nutrition with a lot of hidden agendas and you're not aware of it, this is one of those hidden agendas that I see cropping up a lot. Are you using food as a punishment or a reward? Mm. Are you going to the gym and thinking, boy, I just earned that donut. Got it. Or are you thinking that protein shake is your reward Mm. or your protein bar is your reward or are you, I don't know, are you doing it so that you can say to your friends, Hey, look at me. I just worked out for an hour and now this big milkshake here is, you know, I'm going to crush it, put this in your face and show you. Yeah. That's me in a jar. Yeah. I'm big and strong and full of protein and you got to kind of separate that out and get a little reality check and be honest with yourself and say, wait a minute, what's the science behind this? Let's try and not be too emotional about this as as much as the rewards and punishments are going to (laughs) be there in the back of our minds. Yeah. Scientifically, how much protein did I really just burn and do I need to replace? And it's probably not that much. Right. And I mean, people's requirements for protein will change based on their activity levels pretty much, right? So, um, you know, the range I think is still 0.8 milligrams per kilogram per day to 1.2. I think that's the, so that's that's 0.4 spread, which isn't a very big spread. And and then like some people even say, with these guys trying to build mass, you can push it to 1.4. But some of these guys are doing like two, three, grams per kilogram of freaking yeah. protein. I mean, I mean, if, if you just break that down for a second and say, okay, so a hundred kilogram person is 220 pounds. It's a pretty big That's me. bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. Okay. If, if, you know, and, and so, you know, if, if the median there is one gram, that's a hundred grams of protein in a day. Right. Okay. Not at your work. A yet. lot of these mm-hmm. bars that are boasting 32 grams of protein per bar. Right. Wait a minute. Yeah. Okay. In eight hours for an enormous Mr. Olympia, you don't 
that's that might be your consumption of protein and you're going to swallow that down in the half hour after your workout right those numbers just don't add up right a a, a glass of chocolate milk will probably have enough protein in it right you know you're you're probably looking at like 5 to 10 grams of protein mm-hmm. after a workout mm-hmm. and and if you're super super enormous mr olympia then two glasses of milk right you know yeah and what i try to teach people is like you're not the rock like that guy has a very very regimented he has a team of people teaching him how to eat and like everything is very much calculated so getting into the micromanagement of all of these things is very important and we can strive to be that and we can get closer to it but a lot of the times we put the cart before the horse and we get into the overanalyzation of the stuff versus doing what's foundationally important because because the the easy thing is to go to the GNC and buy a tub of something and a bar of something and sportsplex and 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 think that that's the end result is I'm going to look like the guy on the the label or you right. know I'm going to do what the rock does yep. but you're not going to do the hard work which right. is analyzing what you're doing looking at it stepping back from it figuring it out getting the timing right like okay when I'm sitting at my desk all day I don't need all of that but when I go to the gym I need to add a little bit of this. Yeah. And, and over time reanalyzing it, because if you're successful in your exercise regimen, your body will change and your composition will change. And that's, that's kind of what you want. You want your body to be burning energy more efficiently, creating, you know, more of the kind of body that you're looking for with the muscle and less fat and all that. It will be burning things differently. And so in six months time, you should probably check it again. So we have a lot of people that might be at the gym or starting at the gym and we're going to wrap this up. So what would you tell them to do, you know, to get started, to support their exercise the best? If they're not doing the more than an hour long intense exercise, it's just a moderate exercise. Yeah, I would, I would say at the very beginning, what we were saying before is look at what's in your water bottle, get some salt and a little bit of sugar in there, mm-hmm. not a ton you know, you can keep it easy and, and the, you know, dilute some apple juice or orange juice and throw a pinch of salt in there and see how much is comfortable for you. Like, like Neil said earlier, little sips frequently, you know, try and check yourself every five or 10 minutes and take little sips throughout so that, you know, you're not glugging down half a bottle mm-hmm. because you're desperately thirsty. And now it's going to sit in your stomach while you're doing your exercise. Um, and, and just start with some very simple approaches, see how that makes you feel. See if you get some benefit in your energy levels. Um, start with that mm-hmm. and, um, you know, whatever you're reading about, whatever you, you see in magazines and on the internet, just, you know, try and see how that applies to you. If you do want to try something new, try it in small doses yeah and ease into it after you've gradually. been doing the foundational things you know yeah. like make sure you're doing all of this basic stuff yeah. right i mean get get the basic stuff right mm-hmm. like if you're looking at the quality of your nutrition throughout the rest of the day if you're not using this as an excuse to keep eating cupcakes all day long because now i'm going to the gym for an hour mm-hmm. but you know get all the other stuff right yeah because if you're going to the gym for the hour what are you doing with the other 23 hours I think is is definitely a much more important thing to look at those other 23 hours in the day. 
Well, thank you for coming on and talking about this important yeah, subject. Much. And uh, we hope I'll probably have you on again to, to talk more about this in the details. So. Great. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you, Robert, for your time. Robert's got a cool little thing going on. He's opened up a coffee shop and he's getting into that business, which is pretty sweet. So if you want to get in touch with Robert, triathlonsportsmassage.com. Triathlon is T-R-I-A-T-H-L-O-N sportsmassage.com. That's it for this week because I'm too tired to do anything more. So I hope you're cool with that and we'll catch you next week. Until next time, keep listening, keep learning, and be welcome.